Hi, I'm Ashley Stamatinos, five-time number one best-selling author and your host to The Rewire Show, where I'll be interviewing some of the best minds about how to rewire your sensitivities into your greatest strengths. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends. And please remember to visit ashleystamatinos.com for additional resources designed specifically with you in mind to strengthen your transformational journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's get to the show. Hi, everyone. Ashley Stamatinos here. Thank you so much for joining me. I have such a special treat for you. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Amber Rochelle. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. You are all in for such a treat. And for those of you who don't already know Amber, let me tell you just a little bit about her before we dive into all this amazing juicy goodness that we have (laughs) for you today. So exciting. Amber Rochelle is an intuitive life coach, mentor, and expert on sensitivity. She's devoted to helping highly sensitive women thrive in an often insensitive world. She works with women who struggle with constant anxiety, who have been told their whole lives that they were too sensitive or too emotional, and helping them to manage their sensitivity so that they can feel safe in this world and finally feel confident in who they are. She's known as the sensitive. Amber's mission is to change the narrative in our culture around the word sensitive and to lead sensitive souls to a place of empowerment. So she believes that sensitivity is a super a superpower, right? I do too. And if you choose to treat it as one, that's what it can become, a superpower. Um, and that this world desperately needs the healing powers that sensitives have to offer. So, I mean, obviously you can tell by my introduction that she is so in alignment with so many of the things that I've been sharing with you over the years. So I, I said, please, please come on to my show. I can't wait to share you with everyone because I know they're just going to love what you have to say. So again, welcome, welcome, Amber. Thank you. (laughs) And, you know, another thing is, you know, I would love to share with everyone, Amber and I met about two years ago because we were really enjoying each other's Instagram feeds and we just felt, we felt like kindred spirits way back then. And obviously we both have a very similar mission in the world. So, I mean, there's that. But then we, we ended up getting on the phone, which I don't really do with many people. I said, I just feel really drawn to reach out to you and let's chat. Let's talk. I think, I don't remember how long we talked, but I think it was like an hour. At least. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we both have graphic design backgrounds. We are very into hair and makeup. We're, you know, glamorous, um, uh, you know, new agey people. <laughs> Back then, we both wore a lot of like headdress types of things, headbands, and like like uh, just all sorts of things. I mean, those are like sort of superficial things, but also a lot of the underlying things of our background. And um, did you used to dance also? No, no. That was it too. So many things. There were so many things in our background that we just clicked on, and we thought, "Oh my gosh, we have to stay in touch." You know, it's so cool to just have another person in this field who you enjoy and, and can kick, kick ideas back and forth with. So I, I had so much fun chatting with you way back then. And I'm glad that we're having a deeper conversation now. 
Me too. I know. It was crazy. I felt like I had known you forever when we first talked. And so then when you talked to me to come on the show, I was super, super excited because yeah, we have, we have very similar vibes. So this is, this is good. (laughs) Totally. Awesome. Well, Amber, tell us a little bit more about you. And I would also really love to know more about your journey prior to starting your business. Yes. Um, so before I was a coach, I worked, as you had mentioned, I worked as a graphic designer and I worked in corporate advertising for like 10 years. Um, that was my job straight out of college and it was just what I kept doing. And it was fine. I was successful at it, um, you know, but I never really loved it. And part of that was the negative environment that I was in. It was really, really um, competitive and cutthroat and just felt really superficial to me, the particular companies I worked in. But also I had this deeper, you know, like drive where I wanted to do something that was helping people. And I felt like designing toothbrush ads for 10 years. I was a little bit done. (laughs) Um, And I had, you know, when I grew up, I'm a Seattle girl born and raised. So still live in Seattle. Um, I had a very difficult childhood. And because of that, I think that paired with being a highly sensitive person, like I've always really wanted to take the things that happened to me and use them to become a better person and to give back to other people rather than letting it pull me down, which is what happened to a lot of the members of my family. And so I started looking at going back to school. First, I was like, maybe I'll go back to school and be a therapist just didn't feel right to me. And I actually at the time had no idea what coaching was. And I ran across the very first coach that I ever followed. Her name's Molly Mayhar. She's amazing. Um, and I was like, oh my God, this is a thing that people do. And they actually make money doing this. This is amazing. And so I found, actually, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I was still working at the ad agency and we had we owned the whole building, but we rented out some of the rooms for like corporate events and meetings and whatnot. And one day the secretary came up to me and she's like, I really feel like you need to meet the renters across the hall. And I was like, why do I care who's renting the place across the hall? And she was like, I don't know. I just feel like you need to come meet this guy. And so she introduced me to him and he said, hi, my name is Richard. I um, am the owner and teacher at Seattle Life Coach Training. Oh. So they literally rented the space right across from my office. Uh, and I was like, this is a sign. <laughs> of course. I mean, it, how it was like in the building. Um, so I ended up enrolling in his school and he then hired me to do some graphic design work for him and knocked off half my tuition for the program. So it was the first time in my life that I had felt like things were really easy and doors were just opening for me. And I just kind of trusted that and kept moving forward. And so about two and a half years ago, I left corporate and have been, you know, still doing a little bit of design, but mostly coaching full time ever since. And it's been the best thing that ever could have happened to me. I feel very, very like on purpose. I feel like I'm finally really like living out my mission and I love it. So it's, it's kind of an amazing end to a harder chapter of my life. (laughs) Wow. I, I was thinking about how you were saying that you did graphic design in an ad agency. You said, right. That's Mm -hmm. one of the most stressful types of positions, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Deadline, fast paced pressure cooker. I mean, as a highly sensitive person, I would burn out. Did you burn out? I did. I really did. I was so burnt out to the point where 
I didn't realize how miserable I was until I left because I had become acclimated to being treated really poorly, um, you know, and just being under such high stress, like really toxic environment. I used to hide in the bathroom. I would go in the bathroom and like cry and I would do, I would try and like meditate in the bathroom. I, would, I had crystals in my desk. I had smudge spray. Like I was doing whatever I could to protect myself from all of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now you a job where I would use like essential oils and everyone would be like, what's that smell? <laughs> That's too much. Maybe I'll just like tuck you know, uh, crystals all over inside yeah. clothes, you know, everywhere. That's hysterical. Yeah, okay. it was. And, and, you know, when, when I left, like they actually laid me off. And so it was because I was still afraid to leave, to be honest. I had just had this part of me that was holding on to this yeah. consistent income. I mean, it is risky and scary to become an entrepreneur, but right. I felt like I kind of got pushed out of the nest and it was the exact thing that I needed. Um, because I then realized how much it had been affecting me. And I really had to kind of take a period to recuperate and regenerate my energy. And then from that place, I was like, okay, now what's next? Um, but it's been, it's been really, really good. And I don't regret, I don't regret the time that I spent there because I learned a lot and, and grew up a lot, you know? Um, and I think it, it taught me a lot of really good lessons, but I'm definitely grateful that I'm no longer there. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're not there too. For all of you highly sensitive people in super, super pressure cooker, high tent, high intensity jobs, you know, I hope you're listening. <laughs> might be possible. You know, that, you know, truly at the heart of it, how we function, our nervous system, that's very, very, very taxing. And mm-hmm. you need an arsenal of tools, you know, to be able to be in those types of positions and be healthy. So, you know, without the tools in that type of situation, it would be very hard not to be burnt out over and over and over again. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say the first you know, seven years of my career, I did not have the tools and it was, you know, and so I leaned on negative coping mechanisms and it was only in the last couple of years that I was there that I, I was really starting to, um, you know, become empowered myself and, and putting those tools in place. And at the same time, I was realizing this is not going to be the rest of my life. This is not the right place for me. Good for you. Awesome. So let's go way back. Cause I have a feel like this is way back. When did you first know that you were a highly sensitive person or how did you become aware of this? So I knew from a very young age, like I would say like toddler, that I was different. I didn't know what a highly sensitive person was. I didn't even know it was a thing. I just knew that I was, I was different. Um, the way that people reacted to me was different. I got in trouble a lot in my household because I told the truth and I picked up on things that people didn't want you to pick up on. And I would say things. And then of course my parents would get upset because they're like, don't talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> um, and so I think I, from an early age, I felt that there was something wrong with me because of the negative reaction that I, that I got to that part of myself. Um, and, and then, you know, in school, I was always a target for bullies because it didn't take much at all to make me cry. Um, and I tried very hard to hide that part of myself, but for me personally, the more I tried to hide it, like the, the, the more reactive I became, it just didn't, I, I was never able to like turn it off as hard as I tried on. And it wasn't until I think I was, I would say like probably like early twenties, 21 or 22, that somebody gave me a copy of the highly sensitive person. Yeah. And when I read that book, 
everything changed because I knew I was sensitive, very sensitive. Um, but I didn't know that it was a genetic trait. I didn't understand that my brain was literally wired differently. Um, and that is why everything felt so different to me. And so reading that book was the most kind of liberating thing for me because I felt a, I'm not, you know, like I'm not flawed. B, I'm not alone. And see, there's like a better way to relate to this and to manage life with this. Um, And that really kind of opened me up to all sorts of seeking and exploring and learning and researching and, um, you know, to, to be able to figure it out for myself and where I fit in the world and how the ways that I had been behaving and treating myself as a child, you know, just trying to survive, just trying to get through, but that they were actually really detrimental to my nervous system, to my emotional wellness. Um, and so, yeah, but it was a profound moment reading that book because I just had felt so flawed my whole life. I really felt like there was something very wrong with me. Um, and that, sort of lifted at that point. And that book is by Elaine Aaron. Just yes. so all of you know, it's very <laughs> easy to search it on Amazon behind this person and she's written a bunch of them. But I I have found that so many people say that once they read that book, they finally feel like they're not alone because so many of us do try to hide our sensitivity because it seems like a flaw, like you said, and now you know it's not. Yeah. Which is so awesome. And yeah. we, both of us, Amber and I know that it's a gift. You know, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that too, because it might be hard to believe that if you're in a place where it's still a struggle. So um, I'm excited to talk about that. But first, I'm going to try to go chronologically, <laughs> which is something super, super hard for me to do because I don't function on a timeline. <laughs> but one of the things I really would like for Amber to share more with you is I would like to hear how you started the sensitive movement because I don't know a ton about it. I know about what you do and what your mission is, but I would love to hear more about that. And also tell me, what does it mean to be a sensitive? (laughs) Yes. So, um, I, when I was in coaching school, that school that showed up in my ad agency building, um, we, there was a woman there who was like, Oh my God. She said to me, she was like, you are so sensitive. It's the most beautiful thing ever. And now I had never had like somebody say that to me before. It was always, why are you so sensitive? Why are you so emotional? Yeah. Positive praise. And, um, and we got to talking and she was like, you know, she's was like, I feel like when you're sensitive, it's like, you're one of the X-Men. Like it's, your superpower, but you have to learn how to work with it, not against it, or it can destroy you. And I loved that. And that kind of kicked me off on this whole superpower terminology around it. Um, Of course, I'm not the only one who says that. But I really started thinking about how we're so often told that we're weak as sensitive people. We so often get the feedback from the world that there's something wrong with us, that we need to toughen up, um, that we're overreacting and we're too much of this and too much of that. And I really started thinking about like the trajectory of my life and the other sensitive women that I knew. And I was like, honestly, I feel like we're actually stronger because we are taking in so much information from the world around us, both just visual information, but also the emotional and energetic information that we're taking in. And then we care at such a deep level that we're often carrying a huge weight on our shoulders, especially before we learned some of the tools of being a more empowered empath or sensitive. But we get up every day go to work, take care of our kids, show up for people. Oftentimes, HSPs are, I'm sure you know, high-performing, actually very high-performing. It's just that behind the scenes, we have anxiety and depression and 
overwhelm and we're drained because we're carrying so much weight. And so I started thinking like, it's kind of to be a sensitive in this world because not only do we have this really cool, unique gift that other people don't, but then also like we really have a capacity to carry a lot of emotional weight. And so that's what sort of started the idea for me. But when I got into coaching, I really felt like it's so important for you know everybody listening and for everybody that's sensitive out there to understand that you are not weak. You actually are incredibly strong and you have more strength inside of you than you know. And a lot of times we just believe the things that we've been told from the world around us. Of course we do. Why would we not? We all want to fit in. We all want to belong, right? And so we listen to that feedback and we try and adapt accordingly. But when you really embrace who you are outside of those messages and can stand really proud and, 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 you know, strong in your sensitivity, like it's really is and so that's, you know, but it's just people hear that term and they're like, wait, is that like an oxymoron? <laughs> like, no, you know, because being soft and being strong are not mutually exclusive. You can and are both. Um, and so that's really became my mission is to help women, sensitive women and men, you know, um, to understand because once we find our strength within ourselves, we really can be unstoppable. We really can be a powerful, powerful force for change and good in this world. We just have to undo a lot of that messaging that we've been given and be able to connect back within to the strength that's always been there. Absolutely. I so agree. I love, I love hearing you talk about it. It's really cool to listen to someone else talk about something I so deeply feel so passionate about too. And I, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't read that about you, that the sensitive, you know, I call it a movement. I don't know if you're calling it a movement. I, do. I like calling it a movement. Yes. I didn't know that it was partially derived from X-Men and I just feel like it's like has to be said like um, so much of so not not necessarily within my business with with highly sensitive people but within my business when I work with children it's very much about X Men and I've always been obsessed with those movies and I am such a sci fi nerd oh my gosh like awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so happy we're really talking after this video is over. I have like, so few people to talk about this with. Anyone can like chat with me about sci-fi. <laughs> so what I was going to say is with children, um, there is a access consciousness is a, um, a modality that I've, you know, been um, taking classes and I have certifications with them. I've been doing it for like close to a decade now. And then anyway, they have a whole section within their business um, called X-Men. And it's about kids with ADD, ADHD, OCD, and autism. Oh. And truly, it's about all of us who are even grown-up kids who function differently, which is truly a highly sensitive person. We are genetically different as well. So we fit into that even though we might not be OCD, although that might be something that surfaces if you know your highly sensitive self isn't um, being nurtured and you know, the tools aren't put into place. I have I have OCD tendencies that come out sometimes. I do and as well. I, yeah. yeah. And OCD is really highly aware of people. You know, that's, that's an effort for us to really um, uh, organize, you know, the awareness that we have. But I think it's so cool that sensitive is derived from X-Men because 
it's just so in alignment and it, there's such a consciousness about what you're doing and what other people are doing and, and how we are all working together in this harmonious way. I'm just, I'm looking from this bigger picture and seeing how, how so many of us are coming, you know, to support people from different angles and we have the same idea, you know, it's cool. So I hope you all were able to follow along with what I just said, because it might have been a little bit of a tangent, but it's just so exciting to me that there's so much support out there for all of you. And, and I, I so dig it because you can use your sensitivity as a weakness or a superpower. And it's kind of a choice which way you'd like to put it. And it's truly possible to be unstoppable, just like Amber said. So oh, thank you. Thank you. So as I... And thinking about this and talking about this, I'm reminded how many people hate having thin skin. Mm-hmm. They hate it. And I have a lot of people who come up to me and they're super uncomfortable with it. And I'm wondering, because I know that this is something that you really eloquently speak on, how can you help people to begin to love the skin they're in? I adore this question um, because it's really the crux of, of a lot of the work that I do. And it's kind of a, a multifaceted answer. So um, um, I think the first thing is we really have to, as sensitives, start to look at the stories that we grew up with. And what I mean by stories is the things that we told ourselves, the, the messages that we took in from the world around us, um, right? Because if we're operating out of a place of feeling like we're too much or that we make people uncomfortable with our emotions or we're alone or we're misunderstood. All of those are a really disempowering place. And of course you're going to hate that. That sucks. That doesn't feel good. Nobody wants to feel like that. But in order to start shifting that, it's really important to look back on, you know, where did those beliefs come from? Who told you that? What did you tell yourself? And as an adult now to be like, do I really still believe this? Do I really want to believe these things? You know, how is this making me feel? Is this how I want to relate to myself? And I always tell people like, you can be mad about it. You can kick and scream. You know, if you're in a place where you don't want to be sensitive, okay, be about it, but it's not going anywhere. So you can either stay in a place of being upset and mad about it. And I'm not saying those feelings aren't valid because they are, because there are a lot of challenges that come with being sensitive, but you'll never open yourself up to the true gifts of it unless you're willing to surrender to it and say, okay, this is the way I am. Now, what can I do about that? How can I make that work for me and not against me? And then that's when you really start to look at how does your sensitivity serve you? Because we're so used to often when we grow up being told all these messages, of course, we're always looking for the negative, right? We're like, oh yeah, that's another sign that I'm too sensitive. Oh yeah, that's another thing I hate about it. But we really have to start to retrain our brains to look for the positive and to really start to change our viewpoint on it. So, you know, I'm willing to bet that those of you listening are amazing friends. Uh, A lot of you are probably incredible artists. You get moved to tears by movies. Um, All of these really beautiful aspects of being sensitive to start really paying attention to those. And I often encourage people to keep a list in the beginning yeah, because we want to start shifting that focus from the negative to the positive to see the goodness in it. And then you really want to start to look at your lifestyle, you know, because a lot of the reason why we hate having a thin skin is because we're trying to live from a place of not having a thin skin and that doesn't work. And our society, unfortunately, is not set up in the favor of highly sensitive people, but we feel like, well, it is what it is and we need to fit in. 
So we push ourselves beyond our capacity. We put ourselves in situations that make us uncomfortable. We are trying to literally change who we are to belong. And that doesn't feel good. And so there is another way. It's not easy, but there is another way to adapt the way that you're relating to yourself, adapt the choices that you're making in your life so that you can start to feel better as a sensitive soul in this world and actually start to thrive. Yes, it will be different. Not everybody will understand, but when you can let that go, and again, that comes back to the surrender, and then really start to change the way that you look at things, then it's like, I mean, now, I mean, do I still struggle? Yes, of course, there's things that are hard, but I wouldn't change my thin skin for the world. I love being a thin-skinned person. I think it's really special and beautiful and amazing, but I make sure that I protect myself and take really good care of myself and live in a way that supports my thin skin. Absolutely. I love that. You know, and also you've used a couple words that I think everything you're saying ties into everything else you're saying. You know, it's all supportive of one another. And off camera, one of the things I was complimenting Amber on is how she um, shared some vulnerability on um, an experience that had happened. And, And basically someone said something unkind. It was upsetting as a highly sensitive person. And then, you know, she turned it around as a positive basically and used it for her instead of against her. And what I think now that I'm hearing you speak, what partially that it illustrates is that that is unstoppable. You know, you're talking about it's possible to get to a place where you can be a sensitive that's unstoppable. And it doesn't mean we don't fall down. It means that we're always willing to turn it around in our favor to work for us instead of against us. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's the thing. It's, it's the way your mind works genetically, the way that our brains are wired, that's not going to change. But what can change is what you do about it and how you relate to it. And that's where your power comes in. That's where you're not going to sit there and be like, I don't like this. I'm a victim of this. Yeah. Um, But to really say, okay, how can I make this, how can I turn this around? How can I make this work for me? Um, And that's, that's really where the confidence and the strength starts to come in. Mm -hmm. And I hear you asking these questions and I'm really big into questions too. You know, how you're sort of reframing things and changing the direction. And what I hear a lot of times is that people will ask those questions. They feel like they're using the tool, but they don't trust the information they're receiving. So I'm wondering if you have any tools to help sensitive people start to reconnect with their truth as a sensitive Yes. Yes. This is so, so important because, you know, we're, we're so very often when we grow up sensitive and we've had negative messages around it, we, be, we do become disconnected from ourselves because to be able to try to toughen up, um, we have to disconnect from ourselves. We have to try and disconnect from our larger feelings. And when we're disconnecting from our feelings, we're disconnecting from the core of who we are. And when we let the messages of the world take over, we're no longer listening to our own inner voice you know, your inner guide, your inner child, your soul, whatever you want to call it, whatever resonates with you. But that voice that is, is you is very soft usually in the beginning until you strengthen your relationship with it. And so when I, you know, explain this concept, I like to talk about, think about your relationship with yourself, the way you would treat a relationship with anybody else. Like relationships take time. They take attention and energy and nurturing. You have to get to know people you know, to put effort into that relationship. But how often do we think of that 
in regards to ourselves. But when you can start to do that, it's really a process of like getting to know yourself all over again. And, and, and the way, you know, to start with that is spend time with yourself, like alone. Journaling is amazing. Journaling is having a conversation with yourself, um, you know, meditating, walking in nature, really what you're doing is decreasing the stimuli, decreasing the noise of the world around you so that you can start to hear what's going on in here. Because the first step is being able to hear it, right? And also not letting anybody talk you out of your experience. Because that's the other thing that happens so often is that people will tell you you're overreacting. What that means is that they're saying that your experience is invalid. And so we do that to ourselves, right? Like we do that to ourselves. We're like, oh, I, I must be overreacting. But to start trusting that your experience, I don't care if nobody else understands it or if nobody else thinks it's right or normal or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's your experience and it's your feelings. So to, to really start paying attention to, am I invalidating myself? Um, and am I spending enough time with myself to be able to hear my own voice? Um, and that starts to like rebuild that bridge to the true you. And then over time, you will start to experience that that is something that you can trust, that it does start to get better. Um, it's, it's really, you know, emotional wellness. I, I like to think of it like a muscle. It's like when you first start doing it, it's going to be hard and you might have like a one pound weight and then later it's a 20 pound weight, right? So it's, you're building, you're rebuilding this connection to yourself and really making that commitment to your truth. Um, and it's, you know, it, it can take some time, but, but the willingness is the biggest first step is just being willing to go there. Absolutely. So do you, do you find that it's, because I agree with you completely. It's about sort of persistence using the tools to almost get through the discomfort into that breath of I want to say fresh air I don't know why I'm saying that specific phrase but it's like there is you know a brighter tomorrow if you're willing to get through the the challenges of of continually you know putting I guess my question to you is just you know do you find that are you getting people having a lot of resistance like continuing to use it a lot of people tell me they drop off they don't keep up doing the tools because it's uncomfortable and they sometimes can't see beyond it. So can you talk just a little bit about that for a minute? Yeah, of course. And and it's true. And I even experienced that in, in the beginning because it's like anything, it's a learning curve and it's a lifestyle shift and it's going to be uncomfortable in the beginning, you know? Um, and so I think that, I, I think that's a really normal reaction. Nobody wants to be uncomfortable. That's what, that's why we've been trying to toughen up, right? So that we can get in and we don't, it's, <laughs> But I think it's really important for people to ask themselves, am, would I rather be uncomfortable now as I get through this transition so that I can then feel better? Or do I want to continue on? Like, like how has it been working for you so far? You know, are, you're obviously uncomfortable because you hate the thin skin that you're in, right? right? If you're in that place. Yeah. Uh, so yes, there will be some discomfort in kind of shifting the way that you relate to yourself and how you conduct your life, yeah. but that's temporary. And what's on the other side of that is this deep connection to yourself, this, you know, confidence and strength and ability to really, really thrive. And so I always try to remind like my clients, for example, when they're feeling anxious or uncomfortable. They're like, this is not working. I'm like, do you know how much it sucks to walk into a gym when you haven't been there in six months? You know, <laughs> I always do that analogy because it really is. It's, it's tough in the beginning, but then it's like the, the, the snowballs, it's like you're pushing it up the hill. Yeah. 
keep going, keep going. Cause you're about to get to the top of the hill and it's just going to be smooth. I mean, it's not always smooth sailing, but no, I hear you. And the other thing that I think is really important is yes, we want to look at the big picture because we want to be motivated and inspired of what we're working towards, but to celebrate the little victories along the way, because it does take time to make these changes. It just does, especially as sensitive people. It takes us longer to process things and kind of integrate them into our nervous system. And so to be able to start breaking things down and celebrating all the little mini goals along the way so that you don't get stuck in that place of, oh my God, why is this taking so long? Or this isn't working? Or it still feels like... But let yourself be proud of how far you've come and the things that are working right now. And that can help to ease some of that discomfort. Totally. And I so love that you've mentioned a couple of times to really take note of it along the way or, or actually write it down. Like how you said in the beginning, when you're working with people, you say, write down those beautiful gifts that you have to yes. allow yourself to start looking at what is working about your thin skin. What is working? What is a gift about you being highly sensitive? And so, you know, one thing that's just coming to mind as you're talking about this, because you're talking about going to the gym. <laughs> Have you ever lost an amount of weight and the person who either lives with you or sees you every day doesn't really notice, but the person that you see after two months, they're like, whoa, look how different it is. You don't even really notice because you're in your body. You're, you know, you're in it. You're seeing it every day in the teeny little shifts. It's kind of like what's happening with this emotional wellness journey. You mm-hmm. need this huge step, but if no one else, you know, um, if you're not getting feedback along the way, if you're, you know, it's not as obvious to other people, if you're writing it down, you can look back at how far you've come. You know, I just think it's so awesome that you suggest that to people because even I sometimes don't always acknowledge the change that has happened because I just keep going and it's like, Oh, not much has changed, but truly then someone will come in and say, Oh my gosh, everything is so different. This is amazing. And I, I didn't even realize. So I love the idea of putting those markers down and reminding yourself and, and acknowledging change is so important. I really agree with that as well. So cool. Thank you for that. Yeah. Another question that I wanted to ask you, and I sort of feel like we've already touched on this. I'm still going to ask you and just see if, if it goes somewhere else, but I know you and I both are really into talking about how sensitivity is a superpower. Mm-hmm. And I always like to say highly sensitive people are, in my opinion, highly aware people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you have seen yourself use sensitivity as a superpower or any examples of how sensitivity truly is a superpower to illustrate to everybody who's listening. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, if you think about it, it's like we have this, as sensitives, we have this capacity to tap into, whether it's visually or emotionally or energetically, things that other people don't see, or, or like you said, it's awareness. It's things that other people don't pick up on. Um, and, and not only to tap into those things, but to really process them at a very deep level. And I think that's an ability, right, that 80% of the population does not have. So that in and of itself makes it really cool. It, it is like a special, it's back to the X-Men, like, you know, we're wired differently. It's cool. <laughs> um, but beyond that, the thing that I feel is really the most important for me and, and what I really see in other people is that because we're aware of so many things, because we see so much mm-hmm. and because we process it on a deep level, mm-hmm. all of us are driven 
to make a change in this world, to give back, to help, to heal, to fix. We are able to see the dark places of the world. And sometimes that's what makes it very challenging to be a sensitive person um, because it's painful to see those things and feel those things. But because of that, it gives us the motivation and the push and the drive um, and the ability to see what's broken and what needs to be healed and what needs to be fixed. And I think, you know, if anything is a superhero power, it's the ability to hone in on what needs to be fixed and what needs to be done to fix it or heal it or mend it or whatever that is. And so when you start to look at it that way, it's like, that's so cool. That's so cool. And the world needs that so deeply because there's a lot of people, in my opinion, that are sleepwalking through life, that are kind of walking around with blinders on or headphones or just not. And our, yeah, and like our capacity to just like, yeah. see these things and then and then feel them so deeply is really really beautiful and I think it's magical you know <laughs> I agree it is and and I feel like I see a lot of magic in life that a lot of people might not notice because I'm looking for it and yeah. that's just like what you're talking about it's like shifting the focus to look for the magic in life and be magic in life and you know I'm not talking about magic with a wand I'm talking about like you know beautiful consciousness, the unseen world that is so obvious to us as highly sensitive people. And there's two things that just came up as you were talking that I wanted to address. You said 80%. Now, not everybody listening, you know, because you might have people who don't know either of us who are tuning into this. Yes. Just what that meant. <laughs> um, so, so highly sensitive people make up 20% of the population. Mm-hmm. So the other 80% of the world does not have this genetic trait that we have. So that's what I was referring yeah. to. Yeah. So they know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I just knew that out. <laughs> Not 47 million people in America alone are considered highly sensitive people, equally male and female. I wouldn't have guessed. And it's equally animals too. Like yes. 20% of animals are highly sensitive wired too. It's just the most fascinating stuff. And people think they're alone. You know, we thought we were alone too, you know, and, and now, you know, you're part of our tribe, both of us, you're part of our tribes, you know, so we think it's cool to be highly sensitive. <laughs> you know, we, we think it's fun and magical. <laughs> Um, so the other thing you just mentioned is how we see the, the darkness in life and the darkness in situations. And we see um, things that are perceived as broken, right? And mm-hmm. so I also have found, and I'm going to bet a lot of money, you've seen it a lot too, is that a lot of highly sensitive people are really prone to um, being tormented with guilt. And, mm-hmm. shame. you know, mm-hmm. there are shameful situations. A lot of us, like you said, you are we're very um, prone to being bullied. You know, that's a very common thing uh, with highly sensitive people. And um, I'm wondering if you have any tools or suggestions or words of support for people who are struggling to get rid of guilt. Yes, absolutely. And this is so important because I think it's pretty universal for for us HSPs um, to have that sort of guilt and shame. And a lot of it I've found comes from, you know, we're natural people pleasers, right? Because we are so tuned into everything everybody else is feeling. We're like, I can feel that you're sad. Let me help you. You know, it's just, it's our natural inclination to want to be there for other people. Now, the shadow side of that is that oftentimes we completely turn our backs on ourselves in that process. And it can get to the point where we feel guilty doing anything for ourselves. We feel guilty receiving compliments. We (laughs) feel so much guilt and we're so, and it it, it creates a a really vicious shame cycle. Um, (laughs) Excuse me. And so 
one of the things that worked for me and that I've seen help with a lot of my clients as well is when you're feeling that guilt, right? You, you want to tap into it and be like, what am I telling myself? And this comes back to awareness and really paying attention. Notice we're so outward focused. We pay attention to so many things around us, but to start really cultivating, um, you know, being aware of what's going on in here, in your heart and in your head. And so what is the story that you're telling yourself about that guilt? Why are you feeling guilty? And then I always say to people, and everyone hates this question, but it's very powerful. I say, what would you say to a friend? who was telling you the same thing that you're telling yourself, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that is powerful. Because the follow-up question to that is, you know, I'm sure everybody, like, especially us loving, compassionate HSPs, would be like, oh my God, I would tell her not to feel guilty. And that, you know, oh, and so then, that to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so then my follow-up question is, why do you deserve any different? because that really gets to the core of where the guilt is because most of that guilt comes from that deep internal sense of being flawed that we've been carrying around since we were children. And so we really want to start to shine a light on that and be like, where did that come from? Why is it that I think that I don't deserve the love and compassion that I so freely give to everybody else? And the other thing that's helpful to remember is, you know, I used to feel when I was growing up that if I did anything for myself, if I gave to myself in any capacity, that was taking away from my ability to help and give to others. Yeah. You're not alone. A lot of people feel that. But the fact is two things here. One, there's no limit to your love. There's just no limit to your love. You can love yourself and still love the out of everybody else. Like that's not how it works. It's not, it's limitless. And the other thing is that if you're not taken care of and if your needs aren't met and if you're not connecting with your inner self and, and really focusing on your own emotional wellness, your capacity to be there for others is going to be diminished. And so if, if at your heart, like most HSPs, what you want most is to do something to help this world, you have to take care of yourself first to be able to show up at your fullest capacity. And so that's a really good thing to pay attention to as well when the guilt comes up, um, because that can help to kind of soften that resistance that we experience when we try to give something to ourselves. And then once you get to the place where you are able to kind of, you know, move through that guilt and start taking care of yourself better, you see, you start to see the evidence that when you're in that filled up place and when you're really taken care of, then you're really on fire. Then you can do whatever, you know? That's such an important message. And and truly, I hear so many people have that, that dichotomy of, uh, you know, that there's only so much to give. I can't. Exactly. I'm not even going to try to reiterate. You said it so well. <laughs> and I hear that so much. And I love the way that you addressed it because it's so, so, so true. There's an abundance of what you can offer. And you do need to fill up your tank first, you know. So super, super important message. I am feeling drawn to kind of move in a different direction. And so there's something I, I had asked Amber if it was okay to chat about this before <laughs> we recorded. Not that it's secretive or anything. <laughs> yeah, we're like open books. I mean, you guys know so much about us already. So we both have partners that are not highly sensitive people, right? I, you know, Amber's about to get married. Yes. We've been with them for a very long time. (laughs) And I've been with my husband for a long time as well. And he's not a highly sensitive person. And I remember that phone call that we had two years ago, our first time meeting, that was another uh, touch point of uh, similarity that we had. And we both, you know, it was just, it's such an interesting thing 
to have a relationship function well. And I know that you've been with your fiance for over 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've been married this year. It'll be 10 years. So, and I've been with him for like whatever longer, but, um, but yeah, like we, we've made it work for a really long time and it's working well, obviously you're, you're going to marry him. So, (laughs) um, but I would love if you can talk a little bit about that because I find that people are so interested in hearing about the relationship between a highly sensitive person and not a highly sensitive person. Did you ever have to sort of teach him how to be with you? Or oh, yes. Talk about this. Oh, yes. Uh, it was kind of, in the beginning, it was, it was really difficult. We had a really turbulent relationship when we first got together. And that was, you know, for a lot of reasons. But I, at that, I mean, that was 10 years ago. Like, I was still really still working on my, well, I'm always working on myself. That's, that work is never done. Uh, but I was still kind of figuring out my own relationship yes. with my sensitivity. I'm figuring out how that was going to look for me and what I really felt about things. And, and so it was hard for me at that point in time to communicate my needs. Sure. Uh, but as time went on and we both kind of grew up together, essentially over the last 10 years, um, I was really able to art, start to articulate what it was that I needed. And also, um, you know, he, he was open to hearing it. I mean, I'm not saying it was all smooth sailing, but it, I was able to communicate it to him in, in a way where he was able to start to see the way that I, I just, my needs were different. That's the thing. Our needs are different. And so, you know, and because he has a bit more of a, um, scientific mind, I sent him several articles from like psychology today, uh, a couple articles that Elaine Aaron had written that really got into the, you know, mirror neurons and all the funky, like sciencey yeah. stuff, behind how our brains are wired differently. And for him, that really kind of clicked because he was able to understand that like, I can um, I can't change that about myself. I just, I'm going to experience things differently. And it's, you know, I think too, what's really helpful is, um, have you ever read the four or the love languages book? Love yeah. that book. I think yeah. I'm going to reach out and interview that person. I, yes. I, I would want to recommend it to everyone. Yes. Because I, I love languages. Yes. Yes. I think they do such, it's explained so well in that book. And I think that applies. So for any of you listening, struggling in a relationship, get the book. Um, <laughs> the free quiz right on the website too. You can start there. Yeah. And basically what it's about is that people show their love and receive love in different ways. Yes. And it, it's just a really beautiful way that they put it that can take two people who, you know, let's say, for example, my love language is words of affirmation, which means that I feel most loved when I am getting affirming words. But let's say my partner's love language is touch. So he feels most loved when it's like, you know, cuddling and physical touch and that. But most people show their love with their own love language. So I'm going to be showering him with words of affirmation. That's not what he needs or wants. But once you can have that conversation with your partner, and it really applies to being highly sensitive because our needs are so different, certain things are going to trigger us and we, you know, we need more alone time. And if you could have a really open conversation about that and both parties are willing to be able to see through the other person's eyes, which for us sensitives is pretty easy. Uh, (laughs) And you can have that awareness in your relationship and really pay attention to what your partner needs. And I think that that's what makes it work. You need to have your own awareness of your needs, the, the confidence and strength to be able to articulate your needs, but then also have a partner who's open to having that conversation and being willing to understand that you're coming from a different place. 
I'm like, this is just so funny because you'll, if you watch any, any interviews where people have interviewed me, I bring up that book. Like, <laughs> I talk about it just like that. Like, it's just so funny to me. I'm so glad that we're chatting right now. This is going to be so funny for people who have been, you know, along on the journey with me for years. They're going to be like twinning. <laughs> so funny. It's just awesome. I love it. I so, so, so agree. And so I'm wondering if you could also, because I think that one of the things I really love offering is like super, super practical tips. The book, super practical, obviously, but like it's sort of like a, a phrase or a sentence or something people can, let's say someone's in a relationship with a non-highly sensitive person, what's something they can go home and say to their partner to have even just a little bit more ease right away? That's a great question. I think that, you know, if you sit your partner down and phrasing it like, hey, listen, um, and it depends on, do they know you're sensitive? Do they not? But whatever. But just say, you know, this is a part of myself that I'm working on accepting more. Mm-hmm. And I would really love your support, both for me and the, the health of our relationship. Yeah. Or as I'm trying to understand this part of myself, for you to be able to understand it too, because I do see things differently. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that about me so yeah. that our relationship can work better and can thrive. Yeah. And because sometimes people will feel on the defensive if they think that they um, are being accused of not caring or, or if they feel like a lot of times the unknown is very uncomfortable to us. And so uh, people can get triggered by that. So rather than saying, hey, there's this thing about me and you need to learn about it. <laughs> right. I don't think any of you would approach it that way, but just yeah. saying. To kind of, you know, phrase it as like, listen, this is for both of us, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and to say, because men in particular, but women too, I think we, we want to help, we want to support. And so if you're saying to your partner, man, woman, whatever, if you're saying to your partner, like, I could really use your support in me appreciating this part of myself, Ooh. right? It can kind of have a different motivation there. And a lot of times that removes some of the things that might trigger your partner, you know, um, for them to be able to be like, Oh, of course I'll help you with it. Like I want to help you. And it really is for, for both of you, because if they're not understanding how you see the world and how you experience the world and how you process feelings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's going to be tough for you guys to stay close and to stay connected. That's amazing. I love that. Um, And for all of you that are listening, I transcribe all of my videos. So the transcription of this, if you're wanting to get that exact, you know, couple of sentences, the phrases that Amber just shared with you, you know, head over to my blog and right below the video on the blog page, all about Amber, um, you'll be able to actually pull that out if that's helpful for you. Because I know sometimes people will like rewind, play, rewind, play. So sorry, I did the transcription. So just, you know, head over to my website, the, the transcriptions right below. So it'll be there if that's helpful. Um, you know, and okay. So again, I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. And, you know, one of the other things I would really like to address while I have you here is I know you and I both really love social media and we love beautiful graphics. You know, we like presenting ourselves in a certain way. And we're also checking out a lot of other people. 
And so the reason I'm, I'm, I'm starting it like that is because I have a lot of people will come up to me and they're really caught in comparison mode. Mm. And I bring up social media because I think it's the very biggest place of comparison. And oftentimes, you know, just like the theme of things, you know, we've been talking about, it can be used you know, as um, something to strengthen you or something, you know, that is a downfall, you know, that can be, anyway, a lot of people who come to me, they're in lack mode because of comparison. So can you speak to those people who are constantly, constantly comparing and feeling in lack? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. The age of social media, it's brought us so much, but it really, um, I think has, very much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's really contributed to this comparisonitis that a lot of us struggle with because a lot of people on social media, of course, we want to put our best foot forward, but what that can lead to is believing everything that you see on social media, thinking people have these perfect lives and they're only showing you the, the good parts of things. Some people, not all of us, but um, it, it can be really hard not to get caught in that mode of comparison and why don't I have what they have or why can't I do what they do or why don't I look like they do or all of these sorts right. of things. Right. Part of that is just being a human being, right? But when we're sensitive, it's even harder because, A, we're like seeing things more. We're aware of all the little details of what everybody's doing online. But we also tend to be extra hard on ourselves because we have that sense of being flawed or at least, you know, earlier on before employing a lot of these tools. And so I think it's important to remember that we don't like, if everybody was the same, if we all looked the same, if we all talked the same, if we all had the same gifts, this, this world would be so boring. And I always boring. try and remind people, like I consider myself to be kind of weird. I've always been just different. And I used to hate that about myself. And now I'm like, I think it's awesome that I'm weird. Like be weird, like be the weird girl, you know, like accept that your, your differences and your quirks and even your flaws, all of that is there for a reason. It's all part of the package that is you. And if you can take a step back from the comparisonitis, I do recommend social media breaks on the regular, even though I run an online business. I think it's very important for us as sensitives to kind of like just tone down the stimuli and give ourselves time to ground and just connect within. But also, you know, um, to compare yourself to yourself, yep. right? They compare yourself to yourself. Like, what is it that you, it's, it's fine to get inspiration from other people. It's fine to be like, oh, I want what they have. There's nothing wrong with that. But use that to motivate you to set more goals for yourself to, to move forward rather than using it as a tool to beat yourself up and say that you're not good enough. Yeah. So again, it's, it's shifting the focus mm-hmm. because, you know, I still find myself comparing myself to people sometimes, but I catch it mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I see what I'm doing. Yep. How can I turn this around? So it's not that that part will go away, will lessen as you do this work and become more confident, but it's what you do with it that matters, you know? And again, ask yourself, like, how is this serving me to sit here and beat myself up over looking at all these other people? Is that going to take me any closer to feeling better? Is that going to help me, you know, um, move closer to meeting my goals? No. (laughs) So, you know, to shift that energy that you're putting into this comparison of being like, okay, I want what that person has. So what's one step I can take today to start going towards that, but also to celebrate what you already have. And who yes. you already are. That's so true. Again, it's like, go back to what you've written down. You yes. know, when you start comparing yourself, go back to those notes that Amber suggests of all of the things that are so awesome about having thin skin and being a highly sensitive, uh, you know, 
you know, sensitive and, and look at those things, especially when you're in comparison mode and, and reframe, you know, your mindset to those things, because I so agree. And the other thing I love that Amber was saying is it's nothing we don't get into comparison mode, but we catch it fast and we, you know, um, redirect it. And so I have found with everybody who implements tools is that you get faster and faster at catching it. And eventually what the cool thing is that will happen in the future for you is you'll see it before it happens. Yes. It's coming. It's so cool. And that, that can happen with guilt too. Like you can see people like about to guilt you and you can see it and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to let that pass me. (laughs) Fix it and work on it. So this is so cool. I love that feedback. Thank you for that. Yeah. We're kind of, I, I told Amber, I was like, usually I try to keep these a little shorter, but with you, I'm, I really have more questions. So <laughs> we're sort of getting near the end and I have just a couple more questions because I, I just want to, you know, chat more with Amber. So my question for you, Amber, is what's the best piece of advice that you have for people who are struggling and really want to create greater success? The best piece of advice, and I touched on this before, is the best thing that you can do for yourself is get to know yourself, connect within, make, make your self-care time like a priority. You know, it's, it's, I talk about emotional wellness and I call it emotional hygiene. So like we prioritize brushing our teeth and washing our face, right? Especially for those of us who are sensitive, connecting within and taking care of ourselves is just as important because when you do that, when you start to trust your own experiences, trust your gut, uh, have that solid connection to, you know, your inner guide, that is going to be your compass for everything in life. And that's your, that's your rock. That's really building strong roots. And when you can build those strong roots and build that foundation of like having home and having safety within you, then everything else can come from that place. So really coming back home to yourself as much as possible. I think that that will, that will change everything in your life. Back home to yourself. That's cool. I love that. So Amber, what does your dream look like for a better future for highly sensitive people? So part of my work, aside from, you know, helping people one-on-one in my coaching services is like I said, really shifting the narrative in our culture around being sensitive. I think the way that we do that is the more that we as highly sensitive people stand up for ourselves, take care of ourselves and are proud of ourselves for who we are, the more that that narrative is going to start to shift. And so it's one person at a time, but it's really becoming a bigger movement of changing, you know, how our society, particularly in the United States, looks at sensitivity um, so that other people can start to see it for the gift that it is too because it's heartbreaking to me that there's so many amazing sensitive people out there who are just held back by the idea that they're somehow flawed or wrong and think of the change that it could make in the world if all of these people had this confidence and were really set free to be who they are and do what they do best which is really making powerful positive change you know it's I, I feel like we are here on purpose you know you mentioned earlier that it's not just humans, it's animals that have this highly sensitive trait too. It's not an accident. <laughs> it's really, truly a divine gift. And so I, I want every sensitive person, you know, my, my huge goal is for people just to start to feel more empowered to be who they are and to really go out there and do what they do best and to be free to be themselves. I so agree. That's amazing. Yes. Together. We will do this together. Yes. <laughs> Okay. 
So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to share with everyone how they can stay in touch with you. But first, I would love if you could share a word of encouragement to the viewers that are struggling right now and desire something more. Don't give up. Like I am testament to the fact that you can come from a very dark place where you don't have a lot of support, where you're really struggling, where you maybe don't like yourself, have destructive coping mechanisms, that you can come from that place and you really, truly can rise from the ashes. It is possible for everybody. So do not give up on yourself because you are here on purpose. You are here for a reason and this world really, really needs you. And so just believe, reach out for help, you know, seek out resources start connecting within, asking for what you need and take care of yourself because it does get better. It will get better. And all that you need is the willingness to be there for yourself and show up for yourself. Yes, 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 yes. Amazing. That's very, I so agree. Okay. So Amber, um, please share with the listeners how they can learn more about you and um, how they can learn about the work that you're doing. Yes. So uh, you can visit my website. It is amberrochelle.com. So that's kind of the hub of all of my goings on. Um, (laughs) I am on Facebook and Instagram at Miss Amber Rochelle. And I do have a free course as well uh, called All the Feels, which is really a crash course on emotional overwhelm. And um, actually, we'll put the link to that as well. And then I have a Facebook group called The Super Sensitives, which is a really, really awesome supportive community um, of other sensitive people from all over the world. So any of those venues are a really great way to kind of follow what I'm doing, see what I'm up to and what I've got coming out in the next couple of months, which is lots of cool stuff is coming. So I'm very excited. Um, and you know, if, if you have any questions for me after watching this, you can also email me amber at ambermichelle.com. I, I love to hear from people. So Awesome. Yes. Well, I hope that you all will take the next steps with Amber and reach out to her. And of course, comment under this and both of us will reply as well. So you can get involved in the conversation in many different ways. And be sure to subscribe to the series so that you can get updates when we have other guests as well. And thank you all for joining us. And a big, big, big thank you for uh, thank you to Amber for sharing all this amazing knowledge, encouragement, wisdom, and super, super aligned, highly sensitive person knowledge. Thank you, Amber. Thank you so much. This was a blast. And I'm just so happy I got to come on and have this. I feel like we could have talked for like four hours. <laughs> no, let's do it again. Let yeah. us know in the comments below if you want us to do this again. There's so much more we could share. It'll be so much fun. Awesome. All right. See everyone in the next video. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Rewire Show. Wondering if you're a highly sensitive person or an empath? Head over to ashleystamatinos.com to take the free quiz. While you're there, you can join in on the conversation with other like-minded people and discover fantastic free bonus content to support you on your transformational journey to rewire your sensitivities into strengths. See you on the next episode.